0: welcome to the campus christian fellowship podcast for the university of iowa iowa state university and the university of northern iowa hey there and welcome back to the ccf iowa podcast the quarantine edition Uh, we're going to be Uh, talking about 2 Corinthians 12 today. So if you have a Bible or the Bible or whatever you're doing, go ahead and open up to that. If you are planning on following along, if you're using a journal, if you're um, uh, just following along listening, that's fine. I'm going to read to you whatever we'll need uh, to to know to understand this passage. I'm going to break it down a little bit chunk by chunk. And so what we're going to be talking about uh, today is a passage that you might have heard before. You might have heard parts of it before. You might have heard none of it before. uh, But I, I just hope that um, we we take this and we learn a little bit about um, about what God has to say to us. So I'm gonna p- pray real quick and then we're going to um, just dive into the words. So um, God, thank you so much for uh, this this time. Uh, thank you so much for for still being active and still being in control in a time where maybe it doesn't feel like it, uh, in a time where we have no control. God, thank you for. All the people that are working towards uh, ending this this pandemic, ending this uh, this this virus that is infecting uh, uh, our, our people. Um, and Thank you for the people that uh, are are working to to take care of those. Uh, thank you for the, the heroes that are um, still still working and 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 treating people. Our, our first responders and uh, the people that are trying to develop a cure or a vaccine against uh, this this infectious parasite and um, God just thank you uh, for our health and our safety and the safety of the ones that we love Uh, God we pray for continued provision over us and our families and we thank you most of all for your son Jesus and it's his name we pray Amen. well second Corinthians 13 or 12 starts off like this I must go on boasting although there is nothing to be gained I will go on to visions and revelations from the Lord. I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago was caught up in the third heaven. Whatever it was in the body or out of the body, I do not know, God knows. And I know that this man, whether in the body or apart from the body, I do not know, but God knows, was caught up to paradise. Now, third heaven is a really interesting term because this is uh, the only time that, that Paul talks about it. Uh, in this letter, this is the only time that uh, that this is referenced, and uh, it's it's maybe the only time that it's referenced in the Bible, depending on how your people choose to translate the Bible, depending on which one you use, but um, it's just a really, really, really interesting uh, word. Uh, when you think of the third heaven, you might think of something like, oh, well, it's got to be grand and majestic. It's got to be, uh, you know, think of like ancient Greece or ancient Rome with pillars and col- columns and... Um, the streets are lined with gold, and everything is shiny, everything's clean, everything's nice, everybody's happy. Maybe that sounds like the third heaven to you. And that sounds like a version of paradise. Now, we know that this word, third heaven, also could could just be translated to paradise, and it's a, it's a good translation for it. It really is, but we have to think about it in a little bit different of terms, because third heaven means a specific part of paradise. So... Uh, i want you to think a little bit about what does your version of paradise look like maybe your version of paradise is exactly what i described just a minute ago or maybe your version of paradise is a hawaiian vacation or maybe your version of paradise is literally anything besides what you have currently going on or maybe your version of paradise is even this coronavirus isolation because you know you get to wake up every day you get to make your own schedule for the most part Uh, you don't really have to put on pants if you don't want to are you going to eat what you want when you want nobody's there to judge you nobody's there to uh to tell you about uh about what you should be doing instead of what you want to do you know maybe 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 sweatpants time is your paradise but um but this this term that paul uses this third heaven is paradise and it's but it's not paradise in those terms it's paradise in terms of uh, of paradise, but specifically in God's presence, and yeah, I'm I'm an extrovert, but a lot of me really likes this quarantine. Um, yeah, I would never wish for it to happen, but a lot, but it's allowed me to catch up on some things. It's allowed me to spend some time with my wife, and so in a lot of ways, I think this is I would say far from paradise, but uh, I, you know, I, I I don't I don't hate it as much as most. Um, but uh, you know, so maybe paradise is essentially the same, but you know, in Hawaii or uh, Los Angeles or Paris or uh, some other you know, Rome, Italy, something like that. You know, maybe maybe that is what paradise is like. But the problem with those paradises is, uh, is I'm not specifically in God's presence. In those examples uh, and par- so third heaven specifically means paradise but in God's presence God has to be involved God has to be over everything God has to be uh, the ruler of this paradise and this seems a little bit of an oxymoron if it's your paradise but you are not the the ruler of it but uh, but that's what this this third heaven terms mean so Paul talks uh, starts by writing on uh, a little bit about that third heaven and he talks uh, about this man who's caught up in it and he goes on and he continues uh, he talks about some things he talks about uh, um, he talks about uh, this man a little bit more he said he heard expressible things that a man is not permitted to tell uh, and he's gonna boast uh, about a man like that but he will not boast about himself except to his weakness and even if he should choose to boast it would not be a tool uh, because he is speaking the, the truth and so uh, he refrains that way no one thinks that he is more that he is warranted by what he is to say or do. So that's uh, that's what Paul talks about a little bit getting started on this and it's a little bit interesting of a, of a way to start a chapter but uh, to way to, to way, a way to start a thought but it's what Paul decides to do and uh, and, he, and he continues. He talks uh, about the thorn in the flesh which is where we're going to spend a little bit of time today uh, the bulk of our time so um i'm going to start reading uh verse seven here so to keep me from becoming conceited because of these suppress sur- surpassingly great revelations there was given me a thorn in my flesh a messenger of Satan, to torment me now you might have heard this before it's a fairly popular uh term it's a fairly popular phrase uh, we have it in a modern language uh, of simply meaning something that um, that that is irritable to us uh, that's what we, uh, we we use that term for today in 21st century America but we uh, there's, there's a lot of rich historical context to that so first of all this is used in numbers 33:55. now numbers if you don't know is the third book of the Bible it's written by Moses it's it's the people of Israel they are uh, in the middle of the exodus from Egypt where all the slaves were free, but they haven't yet found the promised land. Um, they're sort of wandering around in the wilderness. They're sending spies into Cana in this book. There's a, lot of, uh, th- there's a lot of that kind of stuff going on in this book. They're taking a census, which is why the book is called Numbers. But Numbers 33:55 says, But if you do not drive out the inhabitants of the land, those you allow to remain will become barbs in your eyes and thorns in your side. Thorns. In your flesh and they will give you trouble in the land where you will live and then I will do to you what I plan to do to them. So uh, this is not the first time Paul speaking about the thorn in his flesh is not the first time that we actually uh, get that in scripture. So Paul being a good Jew knows that the uh, knows this expression and so he decides to use it uh, to, to, to convey his point here uh, to, to bring part of that heritage in with Christianity because Jesus was a Jew and uh and so I told you that we modernly interpret this as just anything that is irritable and that's a fine way to think about it but there's a couple ways that church history has chosen to uh there's a couple ways that church history has chosen to define this word to, uh, to interpret this thorn in Paul's side so uh the, the ancient Catholic church believed that uh, that this is a lack of a reverence for God. That Paul's thorn in his flesh is the Corinthian people and their lack of reverence for God is the thing that irritates Paul. And that's an interesting thought. Uh, you know, it's maybe not a bad one. Um, I'd be inclined to even say in, in a specific context that, yeah, I would, I would think that that's a pretty good answer for that um, another interpretation that people that scholars have made throughout the years is that paul's thorn in his flesh is the jewish people's rejection of the gospel now that's evidenced by the fact that in numbers 33 55 paul uses that so paul specifically using a phrase that the jewish people would have been familiar with trying to bridge the gap between the jew the uh the jewish people the um gentile people and the jewish christians and gentile christians kind of trying to to provide some unity uh among among people who believe in the god yahweh uh so that's potentially what what paul is is writing about um could just be simply paul's oppressors or opponents uh that there is some sort of uh force or being i mean we know this force of force or being with uh, Paul being in prison sometimes, but could, could, Paul just could be referring to that. It could be referring to the way that we use it, just something irritable to us. He could be referring to um, an actual physical ailment of his body. That's a possibility that we uh, that the scholars have determined. Like maybe Paul has some sort of deformity that keeps him from doing things, or maybe uh, maybe he has. a—I mean, we know Paul is has a little bit of a speech problem we uh through through other letters that he writes paul talks openly about his weaknesses so maybe it's a physical or emotional or mental weakness that paul has uh, or quite possibly it could be a demon uh the evidence for this is backed up that right after paul says a thorn in my flesh he says a messenger of satan to torment me and a demon is a messenger of satan and that could be metaphorical and that could be literal and i i see a lot of pros to any of these arguments what what you, whatever you decide that Paul is writing in this, I think is okay. I think maybe Paul even, even uses this terminology to hit all of these aspects. Uh, um, you know, it doesn't have to be one or the other, but maybe it's both and, or, uh, or, or, maybe Paul is writing so that whoever is reading can interpret it in their own way and, and that may be. I'm sure Paul has more than just one thorn in his flesh. I'm pretty sure he has more than just one thing that that irks him, and so. Um, when we think about this thorn in paul's flesh i want you uh to to think with you what are some of the things that you have in your flesh what are some of the things that really bother or irk you what are the things that hinder you from being your best you if you need to pause take a minute to think about that reflect on it then uh please do but for now i'm gonna i'm gonna continue uh, because the important part of this message i think uh, of of Second Corinthians twelve is is God's response, which is what we get after this. So we've talked about the third heaven, uh, which is which is transitioned from Paul talking about boasting in in Second Corinthians chapter eleven. But he also talks about the man says the first uh, or sees the first heaven, and uh, and and Paul is refraining from boasting, or uh, or Paul is, uh, is 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 be, he says he's becoming concerned because of the the, the revelations that this man. Has. and so he's trying to um, trying to transition into this thorn in his flesh but the thorn in the flesh is one verse but God's response is the next several verses so I want to read you God's response to Paul's thorn in his flesh three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me but he said to me my grace is sufficient for you for my power is made perfect in weakness therefore I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weakness in insults in hardships and persecution in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am made strong. Now, the point that Paul is trying to make is he says things that God specifically says to him. But Paul's point is that human weakness provides... The ideal opportunity for the display of divine power. Human weakness provides the ideal opportunity for the display of divine power. Now I want you to think a little bit about how you respond to your thorns. I asked you to think about some of your thorns, uh, some of the things that get under your sins, some of the things that irritate you. Maybe it's a person. Maybe it's a, a group of people. Maybe it's uh, some sort of physical ailment that you have or some sort of mental ailment that you have. Uh, maybe it's uh, somebody's response to, to you sharing the gospel with them. Just what what is that thorn and how, how do you usually respond to it? I know when I think of my thorns that I don't usually respond well. I think a lot about uh, the times that you, know, you just go, go cry in a pillow or I get really frustrated and and need to go uh go to the gym or something like that and just hit something um or or the times that uh that i I just simply don't know what else to do other than fall on my knees and pray I, i i don't know about what your responses are but my responses for the most part are usually not in line with what paul is saying that god says to him here because usually what I, I see, human weakness uh, is, is is a hindering point. It's something that uh, is is hard for us to overcome, and uh, and when when and if God shows, if He doesn't, then it's something that shows a, a lack of of His character. But that's not what Paul is saying, because God says, "My grace is sufficient for you. From My power is made perfect." in weakness and so what Paul is saying is that human weakness provi- provides the ideal opportunity for the display of divine power right so Jesus himself even points to God as the source of his strength Paul is saying that God is the source of strength and that God is is the source of power in his thorn and by embracing his weakness God can shine through John 14 uh, 28 Jesus proclaims that the Father is greater than I, and so Jesus is, is admitting his own weakness and saying, "But because of my weakness, God is stronger." In Matthew six nine through thirteen, we know this is the Lord's Prayer: "Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name, uh, your kingdom come, all that." When you think of reading this 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 passage, that uh, listening to it, hearing Jesus's words, it's all. It's all pointing directly towards God. Jesus isn't saying, give me the strength to do this. He's saying, God, your kingdom come and your will be done and give us this day our daily bread and forgive us of our trespasses and help us to forgive those that we've trespassed against. He's doing it in two distinct ways that are important for us to remember every time we think of the Lord's Prayer. One is that Jesus is asking for God's help. He's 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 pleading for God, and the other one is he's not he's not actually asking; he is demanding. The words that God uses, or that Jesus uses for "your kingdom come and your will be done," they're very um, demanding. They're very demonstrative verbs that we uh, that that he uses, and so he, he's asking for God to be a display of power because Jesus knows uh, that in his weakness, God is made strong. In John five thirty, uh, Jesus says judgment, power, and will come from the Father. So Jesus is, is saying that He is not the ultimate authority, but God is, and that's okay. John fourteen ten, uh, John says all authority is from the Father. Luke ten twenty two says everything ha- is handed down from the Father to Him. Uh, Matthew twenty six forty one, uh, that's Jesus on the uh, Jesus in the um in the garden of gethsemane right at the start of the passion narrative but uh so right before he's about to be crucified he says the spirit is willing but the flesh is weak he, jesus is saying that my flesh is weak but my spirit is good and my spirit is fully god and so god is going to come here in acts 10:38, peter even confirms the these things about jesus where peter says that, that it is always god working through jesus and so there are so many instances of the bible from jesus himself who uses his weakness not As a way to keep him down, but as a way to glorify the Father. And so, in our times where we have our thorns and our flesh, when we, our times where our weaknesses are exposed, it does not reflect the weakness of our God. The times where we're begging and pleading for God to show up, it is not a a reflection of a weakness of God. If He doesn't show up, or or the fact that we are weak, is not uh, is not a reflection of a a poor spirit. It's not a reflection of a God who doesn't love us. But it allows an opportunity for God to just be God and to reveal himself in a unique and powerful way. I think a lot of times about the thorns in my flesh and sometimes the best answers to my prayers have been that God did not intervene in that or that God used somebody else to intervene in that. That God either, either let me keep my ailment that way I have a have a better uh, connection and compassion and empathy with people that way I can can relate to people more I can sympathize more uh, that that God has used other people as messengers of him so, so that people in my life can bring about the work of God people can be the church we have an opportunity to be the church to one another that that we can can be the display of God's strength and God's power and that is an awesome thing and so our weaknesses are not weaknesses at all our weaknesses are opportunities for god to be god and for us to understand our human nature and to understand that i will never be god that i will never have that sort of power and i don't really want that power our weaknesses how we respond to them and more importantly how god responds to them are not a display of weakness at all but rather a display of a God who is much stronger than anything we could possibly imagine. Hey, thanks for checking us out and spending some time with us this week. Quick reminder, if you're a student at Iowa State, University of Northern Iowa, or University of Iowa, we would love to connect you with a campus minister. So reach out to ccf.uiowa at gmail.com, and we will make sure we get you connected. Be sure to specify your school in an email. Additionally, if you have questions about anything you've heard today or anything that's on your mind, uh, we would love a chance to answer that here anonymously. So you can also just drop a line there again that is ccf.uiowa at gmail.com. we hope you have a great week and please know that we are praying for you